we welcome you to the Tabernacle Podcast, brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit our website, tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. You can find other sermons like this one on Apple Podcast, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. It is our prayer that God has used this message to be an encouragement to your heart. I want us to begin reading in Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 1. We'll read through verse 9. The Bible said, Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and long for my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I beseech Yodius and I beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord, and I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord alway, and again I say, rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. You notice the phrase we find in verse number one. The Bible says in the middle of the verse, so Stand fast in the Lord. I want to speak to you this morning on that theme, stand fast. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you've given to us uh, to come around your word. And as uh, the word of God has been read, I pray that uh, the spirit of God would open our hearts and minds to receive the truth of your word. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would guide me, that you would fill me, that you would use me, give me the words to speak. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. We note that Paul is writing this epistle to the Philippian church. It is a church that is dealing with many difficulties uh, there in first century living. And dealing with these difficulties, the apostle Paul encourages them Uh, to find their joy in the Lord. Uh, Joy is a recurring theme in the book of Philippians because God intends for us to live a joyful life, even though our circumstances uh, do not uh, necessarily contribute to that kind of of a thinking or a philosophy of joy and rejoicing. The fact of the matter is that we find our joy not in our circumstances, not in the the situation of our lives, we find our joy in the truth of God's word and in our relationship with him. Therefore, our joy is not based on how we feel today or how the news cycle is trending or what our financial uh, reports are showing us. Our joy is based solely upon who God is and what God has said. And therefore, he says to this church in verse 6, be careful for nothing. 
Here we find a group of people that are under pressure. In fact, uh, we live in a world that's under pressure. Uh, many are living life today under pressure. Our nation is weighed down under the heavy pressures of fear and panic over the current health crisis. Deception and lies are propagated in our media. Our government has developed inconsistent policies and messages. There is political division. There is racial strife. There is rising crime, inflation, supply chain concerns, increasing mental health problems and emotional difficulties and so much more that we're dealing with today. People are living lives under pressure. It seems that we have an abundance of problems and a shortage of solutions. <laughs> the needs of our society are increasing, but the resources to address those needs seem to have been diminished. A recent study from the American Psychological Association that was published this year in Health Day News concludes that 84% of Americans reported feeling at least one emotion associated with prolonged stress over a two-week period. Those most commonly reported were anxiety, sadness, and anger. Two-thirds of Americans said they feel overwhelmed by the number of issues facing the nation. Significant sources of reported stress included the future of the United States, the coronavirus pandemic, and political unrest. Among other key findings, 84% of respondents say the nation has serious societal issues that need to be addressed, and 9 in 10 hope that they will uh, that there will be a move toward unity. The problems, however, are not limited in our lives just to national issues, but they also relate to family and personal issues as well. Families are in crisis as they face mounting financial pressure, relationship pressure, whether it be in their marriage, with their children, their extended family. In addition, there's pressure at work, there's pressure at school, there's pressure in society. People are dealing with hurt, with fear, with anxiety, with disappointment, with temptation, and so much more on a daily basis. On top of all that, there are meals to be prepared, appointments to be kept, schedules that are full, bills to be paid, relationships to be mended or maintained, responsibilities to be fulfilled, tasks to be performed, trials to endure, sick to be cared for, hungry to be fed, and broken things that need repair. You see, it seems there's no shortage of things to deal with. We face pressures from that which is known, and we also face pressures from those things which remain unknown to us. But waiting for situations to be resolved and wondering if they ever will be or perhaps how they will be can be a crushing burden. These pressures and stresses of life, they affect us mentally. They affect us emotionally. If we allow them, they affect us spiritually. They affect us physically. For example, recently the American Psychological Association released a study of how stress impacts the body. 
stress can adversely infect the muscular system, resulting in tension of the muscles that produces tension headaches, migraine headaches, and lower back pain. Stress and strong emotions present uh, us with respiratory symptoms, such as shortness of breath and rapid breathing. The studies show that an acute stress, such as the death of a loved one, can trigger asthma attacks. In addition, the rapid breathing caused by stress can bring on panic attacks. Stress adversely impacts the cardiovascular system. Acute stress causes an increase in heart rate and stronger contractions of the heart muscle. With the stress hormones, adrenaline, noradrenaline, and cortisol acting as messengers for these effects. Chronic stress can contribute to long-term problems for heart and blood vessels, increasing the risk for hypertension, heart attack, and stroke. Stress affects the immune system and has been linked to the development of numerous physical and mental health conditions, including chronic fatigue, metabolic disorders, depression, and immune disorders. Stress impacts the gastrointestinal system, including the esophagus, the stomach, and intestines. It negatively impacts the nervous system and can also affect male and female reproductive system. We're living in a pressure cooker today. Many of you are living lives under pressure. Personal pressures, national pressures, family pressures. People are living under pressure. We see people who are angry and people who are at, at, at just the least provocation, ready for an outburst, ready for a fight, hateful things and uh, wicked exchanges on social media. Uh, we're living in an age of pressure. So how are we to stand? How are we to remain? How are we to hold up in the midst of this pressure? Well, the Bible has the answer. In fact, the answer to all our problems are found in the Word of God, and they're found in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason our nation is at unprecedented troubles and strifes is because our nation has forsaken God and turned its back on the Lord. And oftentimes, many of us who know the Lord live our lives as if we didn't know him. Those of us who have the Lord often live our lives as if we didn't have him. And we find ourselves in a cycle of pressure and a downward spiral, and we're wondering what in the world happened. Well, if we're going to stand fast, as the Apostle Paul said, we must learn to stand fast. There are three key words that you'll find right after that admonition. He said, stand fast in the Lord. You can't stand fast in your own strength. You and I do not have the resolve and the wherewithal and the ability to stand fast in the midst of this wicked age unless we're standing in him because our own strength will fail us. Our ingenuity, our determination, uh, our abilities, our gifts will all prove to be insufficient. The only way that we will stand fast in our personal life, in our home life, in our church life as believers, the only way we'll stand fast in the midst of the pressure cooker that we've entered into, and let me just say to you, it's going to intensify. The only way that we will stand fast is in the Lord. Do you know him as your Savior? Now, have you received the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior? 
Has there been a time in your life when you acknowledged that you were a sinner and that you needed a Savior and that the only Savior was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who came and lived upon this earth and walked among men without sin? He went to the cross and died, not because of his own sin, but because of yours and mine. And after his death on the cross, he was carried into a tomb and there his body was until the third day he arose victorious over death and hell in the grave. And he offers salvation to all who will believe. And that is the way I come into this relationship with the Lord. This is the way that I am to stand in the Lord. By nature of the fact that I know him, that he is my savior, I've entered into a relationship with him. Have you entered into that relationship with him? If you haven't, I invite you to do so today. And if you have, I encourage you to quit trying to stand on your own and learn to stand in his strength. In Philippians chapter number four, we're going to find seven fortifying truths which will strengthen a believer to stand in a pressure-packed world. And over the next several weeks, we're going to examine those seven truths. But this morning, by way of introduction, I'm going to give them to you and just make a few comments on each one, and I want to encourage you to write them down, and then I want to encourage you for the next several weeks to be with us, and, and let's learn these truths together, and may God help us to learn to stand. Now, here's the first one. I hope you write it down. Number one, stand fast in partnership. Stand fast in partnership. Notice, if you would, in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 2, I beseech you, Odysseus, and beseech Syntyche, that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. I want to tell you today that you and I do not have to go it alone. We are in this together. More importantly, the Lord is in this with us. Aren't you glad? You see, God looked down from heaven, and of course, it was no surprise to him. He already knew it. He found us in a state of, of sinful hopelessness. And in the midst of our sin and our hopelessness, he sent his son who became a man without ceasing to be God. And his son lived among us and died for us. He did so so that we might have eternal life and so that those of us who, had, uh, who were sinners could enter into a relationship with him and we belong to him and he uh, now dwells within us. He has promised never to leave us nor to forsake us. And I want you to know something. As you're going through life and the difficulties you face today, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not alone. You have a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, the day David said. He is leading me. He is taking care of me. And not only do I have him, but I have his children. I have his family. You see, as a child of God who's entered into that relationship by faith, I have brothers and sisters. I'm a part of the church. We are members of his body. We are a part of his household. We are a part of the family of God. And we have one another. And so we're not in this alone. We're in this together. Praise God. That's the way God designed this thing. That's the reason, uh, or one of the reasons, rather, that the church should play such a vital place and part of your life. 
The Bible says in Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 2, bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. You know that you and I are to come alongside one another and we're to help bear one another's burdens. I just read a note to you from Judy Finlayson who had back surgery. Uh, her daughter was going to be with her while she was in the hospital, and her daughter's husband uh, developed some health problems, and he's currently having some tests, and uh, she had to leave and go uh, to be with her husband. Uh, there were people in our church who helped Judy get from the hospital and home, and there are people in our church who've been praying for Judy, and there are people in our church who have taken meals and sent notes and offered prayers to be an encouragement. Do you know what you've done? You have helped bear her burden. That's the way a church operates. We're in this together, and you're dealing, many of you are dealing with problems and difficulties today. I want to tell you that you don't go this alone. You go through it together with God's people. The time of difficulty is no time to withdraw from fellowship with the Lord and from his people. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24, the Bible said, And let us consider one another to provoke and to love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. You see, he's dealing here with the assembly and the fact that the assembly, which is the church, it assembles. That's what an assembly does. It assembles. We come together on the Lord's day. And he's, he's writing here in Hebrews 10 to encourage them not to forsake the assembly, to be faithful in the matter of their church attendance. But he tells them there's a reason, there's a motive that they should do that. Now, number one, the motive is to obey Christ and to honor him and to worship him. But he also helps us to understand in verse 24 that as we come together to worship God, we are to come prepared to worship, but we are to come to consider one another. We are here to encourage one another. Do you know that your very presence in this auditorium this morning, God is using it to encourage his people just by your presence. Weren't you encouraged by the choir as they sang today? You know, at 3.30 this afternoon, we're going to have a group that's going to gather at 3.30. They have to sacrifice some things to do that. And they're going to rehearse so they, they can sing to us at Christmas. They have to learn the music. Why are they doing that? They're doing it because they are considering us. We're going to be blessed as we hear that, are we not? We are to consider one another, to provoke unto love and to good works, uh, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting, encouraging, building up one another. And so much the more, not less, by the way, but more as you see the day approaching. What is the day? The day of the coming of the Lord. We see that day approaching, do we not? And so we're to stand fast together in partnership. And when one of us is weak, then someone who... Uh, is alongside us, can strengthen us. When one of us is discouraged, then uh, we can encourage one another. When we're going through trials and afflictions and we don't know what to do, then we can ask our brothers and sisters to pray for us. It may be that we discover that they've been through some of the same things we've been through, and they have some advice to offer us. This is what a church does. We stand fast in partnership, unified serving, laboring together. 
Let me give you the second one. Not only do we stand fast in partnership, but we stand fast, secondly, in praise. Look at verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Now these are people he's writing to who are dealing with some great difficulties. And the apostle Paul says to them, hey, I want you to know something. You need to rejoice. It's not just a a suggestion, by the way. It's a command. Well, what are they going to rejoice about? The difficulties they're facing? No, they're going to rejoice about the Lord who has saved them. They're going to rejoice about their relationship in him. They're going to rejoice over the promises that he's made to them in the scripture, the fact that their sins are forgiven, they have a home in heaven, they have a faithful high priest who uh, ever lives to make intercession for them, they're rejoicing in the goodness of God. And let me just say this to you this morning, you can make the choice to rejoice. And it is a choice. You see, as we deal with difficulties, what is our tendency? Oh, woe is me. We get down, we despair, we murmur, and we complain. But the Lord has commanded us to rejoice. That means to find our joy in him and in who he is and what he has said. This is not based on our circumstances. It is not our joy. is not based on our feelings or our emotions because you know how frail our feelings and emotions are. Our joy is based upon the bedrock, the solid foundation of God's holy word. That's why you and I, if we're going to make it today, We cannot neglect the Word of God. We have got to enter in to the Word of God and speak, allow God to speak to us and speak to Him in prayer in turn. And so may God help us as we as we learn His truth, as we learn of Him, as we go through these experiences and hardships in life. We learn that God is sufficient. We learn that His grace is sufficient. We learn that His Word is sufficient as we obey it. And we can stand firm in praise, rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say, rejoice. Number three, stand fast in propriety. Propriety. Notice verse five. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. He's reminding them of this, that the Lord's return is imminent. He's at hand. By the way, he's always present. He is with you. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding both the evil and the good. There's no place that you and I can go to escape him. He is with us. He's at hand, and his return is soon. Therefore, our behavior ought to reveal uh, or be characterized by this term, moderation. The word moderation means appropriate behavior. So my behavior is to reflect the fact that I know the Lord. So the way I respond to people who respond, uh, who interact with me, uh, perhaps in an ungodly way, an unseemly way, an unkind way, how am I to respond? Well, I am to respond in propriety. My behavior is to reflect Uh, the nature of God in me. The fact that I am a child of God, I am to glorify my father by behaving myself in a proper way. So with all this hatred and all of this animosity and all of this wickedness that seems to be so prevalent today in our culture, how are we to respond? Well, if we're not careful, we'll respond in the power of our flesh. 
You know, when you pull out onto 29th and somebody stands on the horn to let you know they don't appreciate you, what's the first thing you want to do? You want to somehow demonstrate to them that you have very little regard for them as well, right? If someone says something ugly to you in a grocery store or at some place of business or maybe somebody at work who just delights in giving you a hard time or a neighbor, whatever the case may be, how is it that you and I will choose to respond to them? Well, the Lord says, let your moderation be known unto all men. You know, we're to be temperate. We're to be sober. Uh, we're to resist the temptations of this world. So many questionable things today. Do I do this? Do I not do this? How are we to solve all those dilemmas and answer all those questionable matters? Well, we have to understand that the Lord is at hand. And we have to demonstrate our moderation. We have to behave ourselves in a proper fashion. Now, how many of you have ever had someone say to you, remember who you are? I heard that a lot of times growing up. Remember who you are and remember to whom you belong. So stand fast in propriety. Our behavior, our conduct, our words need to reflect the fact that we know the Lord. Number four, stand fast in prayer. Stand fast in prayer. Look at verse six. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. Now, there are two, two alternatives, two choices that we can make in this passage in verse 6. First of all, we can choose to worry, or secondly, we can choose to pray. Now, worry is a temptation that we all deal with, right? Anxiety, stress, burdens, cares, be careful for nothing. But let me tell you, worry produces absolutely nothing. You've never seen a bumper sticker that says worry changes things, right? Jesus said in Matthew 6 and verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life that you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? What were their, what were their minds occupied with? They were worried about how they were going to make it, what we're going to eat, where we're gonna, uh, what we're going to wear, what we're going to drink. Um, they were worried about, you know, where am I going to work and how am I going to pay my bills and uh, who, who am I going to be married to and, and uh, all these things that preoccupy our minds. And the Lord said several times in Matthew 6 and in Matthew 7, take no thought. In other words, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Avoid anxious care and distracting thoughts. You see, as I said a moment ago, worry is futile. So let me ask you a question. Why worry when you can pray? You can actually do something that will help the situation. Now, we do have uh, bumper stickers that say prayer changes things, right? By the way, that should be more than just a bumper sticker or a cliche to us. The Bible says in James chapter 5, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. That means it accomplishes a lot. There's a lot of things that happen when you pray. Now, everything you want may not happen, but God is going to do a lot of things in prayer. And by the way, he's our father. That means he's wise. He knows what we need. Oftentimes our children will ask us for things that we as parents know they don't really need. 
and sometimes we withhold those things. It's not because we don't love them. It's not because we don't care. Let me just tell you, our God cares about us. He's demonstrated that. But God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's how much he cares about you. How dare we ever question the love of God and his caring concern for our lives? He cares. But in his wisdom, sometimes he may choose to answer our prayer a different way than we expect or perhaps to not answer our prayer. And therefore, we have an answer. In those moments, we must learn to trust God. There are times when we need things, and God, who has promised to supply all of our need according to his riches and glory, has met our needs. Thank God for his faithfulness. Let's keep praying. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. What good does it do for you to keep it? Cast it on him. How do I do so? I tell him about it. I let my requests be made known unto God. And once I've made those requests, I continue to trust him that he loves me, that he cares, that he's wise and knows what to do, and that he's good and will perform it. Stand fast in prayer. You have a, a, a hotline to heaven. You know that? You have a hotline to heaven. Pick it up and tell it to Jesus. Number five, stand fast in peace. Stand fast in peace. Now, some people are just naturally nervous. I'm kind of like that. I mean, I, you know, I, I, if I don't have something going on, I get bored. I, I need some kind of uh, situation to deal with. But some people just live in constant disruption. That's not what God designed life to be. So notice what he says to us in verse 7. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now, notice the phrase and. And helps us understand that, that this peace is the inseparable consequence of laying everything before God in prayer. You see, when we pray, when we trust God, when we commit things to God in prayer, when we choose not to worry, then the peace of God, which passes all understanding, it's amazing to think that people can have peace in the midst of their circumstances, but God gives peace, does he not? I went to the funeral service for Bruce Townsend. And uh, I, I greeted his wife, I greeted his son, and a few other members of the family. He has several children, and, and I talked to two of the boys and talked to his wife. Do you know what God has given them in the midst of their trouble? Peace. Peace. God has given them peace. You see, the, the peace of God passes all understanding. Here's their, their father, a pastor, uh, who uh, faithfully served the Lord now in heaven, unexpectedly at the age of 65. But God's given them peace. And uh, when I was speaking with Miss Townsend, she was relating to me and, and, and also to her son related to me how that they know that God is superintended in all these events. And as they went to bury their father and husband, God had given them peace. 
It's a peace that the world does not comprehend. It passes all understanding, and it shall keep us. It will garrison us like a stronghold, giving us peace. You know, those three Hebrew boys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah was their given names. They were pressured by the king, Nebuchadnezzar, to bow down and worship the golden image. He said, if you don't do it, boys, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. They said, we're not careful to answer thee in this matter. Our God is able to deliver us. But if not, be it known unto you, we will not bow. I want you to know I believe the flames of persecution are intensifying against God's church today. I believe we're going to face some great trials and tribulations. Uh, but God's peace will garrison our hearts and hold us fast. Isaiah 26, verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. That leads me to my next thought, number six. Just two more to go. Stand fast in ponderings. Pondering. What is our pondering? It's our thought life. Notice verse 8, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. The word think there means to put together in one's mind, to count, to occupy oneself with reckonings or calculations. In other words, to occupy our mind with the things that are listed here, things that are true. Where do we find truth? Can you tell me where we find truth? There's only one place we can find truth. That's Jesus he is the way, the, say it with me, church, truth and the life. He's the source of truth. I've got this book in my hand. I possess it. You know, it's going to do me good getting it out, uh, you know, out of the dashboard of my car or off the nightstand and into my heart. May God help us. Whatsoever things are honest, <laughs> Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, we live in a dirty world. Wickedness abounds. Lovely, whatsoever things are lovely, pleasurable, pleasing to God. Think on these things. Whatsoever things are of good report. Meditate, think upon the things that will edify you and build you up. You see, we have a tendency, we have a, a cough, and immediately we think, you know, some of us at least, we've concluded that we have COVID or that we have some uh, cancerous tumor in our bodies, and we've got six months to live. Why is it that we think that way? It's a frailty of our mind, right? When somebody says, I want to talk to you, and we immediately think there's a problem. Why is that? The frailty of our minds. You see, we need to fill our mind and strengthen our mind with the truth of God's Word, with those things that are good and those things that are wholesome and those things that are pure and, and crowd out any opportunity the devil may have to fill our minds with wickedness. Fill your mind with the right stuff. You see, if you're a believer, the, the devil can't have your soul, but he certainly wants to war against your mind, and the mind is the battlefield in the life of the Christian. And Satan wars against the mind. So stand fast in pondering. 
Then let me give you the last one. Stand fast in practice. Stand fast in practice. Those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, what's the next word? What is it? Oh, I think we can do better than that. Let's look at verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me, do them. We've talked about people say, well, you know, they really know the Bible. And I think it's a great thing to know the Bible, don't you? They know it. Oh, I've heard that all my life. He said, you, you, you've learned it, you've received it, you've heard it, you've seen it, but are you doing it? That's the question. And by the way, this is the breakdown. This is the breakdown. I've sat across the desk from people, and I've talked to them about their situation and their problem. I've tried to counsel from the Word of God. I've tried to give them advice. I, and, 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 and look, once the prescription's been written, what do you got to do? You got to take the medicine. You see, I've found that most of us want to argue with God. We want to explain to God why we are the exception. We would never say to God, no, that, that's not right. Your word's not right. I, 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 I reject that. No, no. But here's what we do. We say, we say it's right, but then we go out and live a totally different way. We don't practice it. You see, it's an amazing thing. When you practice God's word, these commandments, when you live according to his design, you're going to see God do amazing things. So he said, if you're going to stand fast, you're going to have to obey me. You're going to have to do some things. Because if you don't, you need to understand, there's an enemy, the devil, he's a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour, and he hates you, and he will try to destroy you. He'll try to destroy your family. He'll try to destroy your children. He'll try to destroy everything that's good in your life if you allow him. But if you will obey God and stand fast, you're going to find that God gives grace in these pressures. Stand fast together in partnership with God's people. Stand fast in praise, rejoicing in the goodness of God. Stand fast in propriety, understanding that your behavior should reflect the nature of your Father. Stand fast in prayer, making your requests known to God. Stand fast in the peace that God supplies in the midst of the storm. Stand fast in your ponderings, in your thought life, as you say no to the things of this world and the things of the devil, and you say yes to God. Stand fast in practice as you say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Stand fast. Thank you for listening. We pray that God has used his word to speak to you today. If you'd like to learn more about Tabernacle, you can visit us online at tabernaclebaptistchurch.com. There, you'll find additional information about our church, opportunities to partner with us financially, as well as other resources that we hope can be a help to you. May God bless you, and thank you once again for listening.